This is Emmanuel Today. Taking steps towards God's possible in your life. I have the amazing opportunity to introduce not just our guest speaker, but one of my best friends. Um, I've known our guest speaker this morning for 12 years, and uh, it's just something that we have, there's a lot of stories that I could tell, but there's something that I think, a story that, that sticks out to me about our speaker this morning that I think just speaks to the character and the obedience uh, to what God is speaking to him, uh, uh, and just the, his character again. And that is, one time we were, I was down in Dallas, I was helping him move, and uh, we were sitting down for lunch, and he just kept twitching. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He goes, man, I can't shake it. Uh, God's just telling me I need to go speak to this guy over here at this restaurant, and we were in the middle of a food court. And in the middle of our lunch, he was obedient enough to hear what God was saying. He goes over, and this guy is checking out at one of the registers, and he just comes behind him and says, hey, man, I don't know what it is, but God has interrupted my lunch to tell you that he hears you and he sees you. And this guy begins to break down in tears. But it spoke to the level of obedience and just attentiveness to what the Holy Spirit was saying and doing that he would be willing to be inconvenienced in that moment to just go and talk to someone that he had never met. And that has spoken, and, and there, like I said, there's so many different stories I could share regardless of that. But this is a man that um, the light in him, the light of God in him shines brighter than any light that has shown on him. Uh, he's one that models what it means to be a follower of Jesus but a fan of people. So, Emmanuel, could you help welcome Mr. Ryan Leake as he comes to the stage here to bring the word this morning. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Christian Center. I want to say hello. Uh, I am uh, so honored to be here. I am the biggest fans of your church. I'm the biggest fans of your pastors, Nate and Jody Rouge. Um, they have been uh, personal mentors to me um, ever since I stepped foot on North Central University um, about uh, 13, 14 years ago now, and uh, they have been uh, an important part of me and my wife's journey and uh, it's, it's such an honor to be um, a part of what they're doing today as we continue this series called A Brave New World, looking at uh, the church in the book of Acts. And uh, the Holy Spirit is on the scene, and he's doing lots of different things in the hearts of people. And uh, one of the things that I believe we see in the Acts church in this brave new world is this theme of unity. Uh, I want us to go to Acts chapter 10 Today, starting in verse 9, the Bible says this, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Can we pray together? 
Father, I thank you so much for this amazing church, for every single person that is hearing this message under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that today we would embrace your heart for the world, that you would give us a kingdom perspective as to how we should see ourselves and how we should see those around us. I, uh, I grew up in an African Methodist Episcopal church. If you don't know what African Methodist Episcopal means, it simply means my church was black, okay? It was a black church, okay? That's all you need to know. Um, my, my dad was an African Methodist Episcopal church pastor, and uh, he pastored a church called Gomez Chapel AME Church. And our services normally started at 8.30 a.m., but they really started whenever me and my dad got there, which could have been anywhere between 8.45 and 9.15. It's called CP time if you've never heard of it, okay? So uh, it, it was just kind of whatever time we, we felt like starting because we were not in a hurry. Services lasted till about 1 or 2.30, okay? Like, like services went on and on and on. Like at my church, you had to pack a lunch, okay? Like, like, like we was going to be there for a while. Um, my dad would, uh, would often just kind of just get up and be like, is there anybody here that has a testimony that they want to share on their heart? It was open mic night, okay? Like people would just get up and talk about the parking spot they got at Walmart. I mean, just anything could happen. Uh, worship was a little bit different. We, we did the hymnal deal, um, and we, would, we didn't do songs. We did A and B selections. I don't, know if you, I don't know if anybody ever had a selection. A selection might last 45 minutes, one song, okay? We had about 35 choirs. We had a choir for every status and season of life. We had a single people choir. We had a men's choir. We had an elderly people choir. And the transition from the men's choir to the elderly people choir would last about 35 minutes just to get them on the stage, okay? Like, like it, was just, it, was just, it, was, it was a, it was a fiasco, but we loved it. It, it, was a, it was simply a part of culture. It was what I grew up in. I didn't know anything else. Uh, then, when I was in fifth grade, my dad uh, unfortunately had a stroke that sent him into early retirement. And I, I was attending a private school that was connected to a very large, predominantly Caucasian church. So me and my parents had an interesting discussion where they said, hey, um, you actually can go to, to, the, to the church that your friends go to, and we're all going to go to different churches and come back for lunch afterwards. So um, I'll never forget the very first time I went to a predominantly white church. Um, they said service started at 9, and when they said 9, they wasn't bluffing, okay? 9 a.m. That service started. I said, whoa, 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 I just got to the parking lot. How are y'all already three songs in? Okay, like, I don't know what's going on. So um, then something real crazy happened. Um, about 10, 10.05, 10, 10, uh, the pastor got up and he said, and I just want to bless you all in Jesus' name. Have a great weekend. I said, uh, did he just finish offering? What are we doing? I don't, I don't understand. Are you telling me service is over? They're like, yeah. I said, where's everybody going? I have never been able to get an Egg McMuffin on a Sunday morning before 1030. How is this possible? I said, what are we supposed to do now? I don't even know what to do with my time. I'm, I'm confused about what's going on. They said, well, we're going to go to brunch. I said, what is brunch? I've never heard of this. They said, oh, do you love brunch? You can get chicken or waffles or both. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to give my life to Jesus at a brunch. That's what I want to do. Um, then, 
after high school, I went to this church um, that had something that I had never seen in 20 years of living. Um, it had black people. It had white people. It had Hispanic people. It had Asian. It, it actually had a little bit of everybody in the room, and they were all worshiping together. I had never seen that before. And it was the first time in my life I got a little glimpse of heaven. And I thought, man, this is, I could get used to, to this. And, and I realized what the Lord had been doing in my life is he was setting me up to have a kingdom perspective. Because left to our own selves, we will view the world through our own preferences. Left to ourselves, we will view the world through the color of our skin. Left to our own selves, we will view the world through the way that we were brought up, the way that we were raised. Left to our own selves, we will view the world through our political affiliation. Today, as we dive into this discussion on unity, I want you just for our service time to put on a kingdom perspective that perhaps just for the few moments we have left together, that we would abandon maybe how we were taught just for a moment and go, Lord, would you give us your eyes on the world we live in? And this, what sometimes feels like the divided states of America, there can often be this, well, let me tell you my side of the story. Man, I think as kingdom people, we have to, to operate with a kingdom advantage and a kingdom perspective. To say, okay, Lord, how do you see this situation and how should I respond? In Acts chapter 10, uh, what we see is Peter is, um, happy, is going through something that we often go through uh, around Easter, around Thanksgiving. Uh, he has hit himself with a little bit of a food coma, okay? Um, he, he has been knocked out in a trance. He's hungry. He's tired. He's praying on a roof. And, and he gets this vision from the Lord uh, about some food. And he says in his response, hey, uh, I can't eat this because this thing is impure. This thing is unclean. In other words, in the Jewish culture, they would say it's not kosher. So because it's not kosher, I, I can't touch this. And then um, the Lord says, uh, actually, uh, if I made it, it's good. I don't know where you got your rules from, but if I made it, I need you to look at it as something I made, not as something that you've been taught to see it in a certain way. And um, I believe there are three ingredients to a, a unified church. Three ingredients. The first one is divine revelation. Divine revelation. Acts 10, I'm starting in verse 15, the Bible says this. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Um, well, then um, there is this guy named uh, Cornelius who is a part of the Italian regiment, somebody that uh, a Jew would not be seen stepping into their home. Uh, before Peter hears from God, Cornelius hears from God. And Cornelius hears, hey, I need you to go get this guy named Peter from Joppa. So all of a sudden, God is bringing two men together that normally would never even stand in the same room together. God's doing it, not men. 
And uh, a, a few verses later, uh, Cornelius has sent men to get Peter to bring him to his house. And normally Peter would never even go, but he has now heard from God. And by the time he steps into Cornelius's house, here's what happens in verse 27. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with the Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call any one impure or unclean. Whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't it say anything? Anything has now become any one. This is a man that has been given a divine revelation. I think for us to discuss unity, for us to live in unity, it starts with us going, Lord, how do you want me to see the person on the right and the person on the left? And you desperately need a divine revelation. Here's what I have learned, is that I am not very good at changing people's minds. I, I can twist somebody's arm. I can sit at coffee with them for hours, and I have learned that at the end of the day, they're going to do whatever it is that they want to do. And I've also learned that even if I inform them that the decision that they're going to make might harm them, that they really don't care that much. They might even agree with what I have to say, but I rarely see knowing better translate into doing better. But I have seen when somebody gets a divine revelation from God, they go, I need to change. I need to change how I see people around me. I believe that this passage is just as much about the conversion of Cornelius as it is the conversion of Peter. Um, it's interesting that uh, the whole goal of Acts chapter 10 is for Cornelius to hear the gospel for the very first time. But the problem with that is, is Peter's not even willing to step in his house, so how can he ever hear it? So before God could change Cornelius, God had to change Peter again because Jesus was always working on Peter. And he's still working on Peter in this passage. I wonder how many of us need to just find ourselves submitting our preferences, submitting our lens, submitting our filter, submitting how we see the world to God and say, Lord, is there someone that I see in the world? And, and I would never say it out loud, but I almost see them, um, it, it's funny, uh, Jews didn't just talk about kosher food. Uh, they actually saw, there was a parallel. It, they also saw themselves as kosher people. And so they wouldn't just eat unkosher food. They actually saw everyone else outside of their circle as unkosher people. Is there a group of people that you have found yourself mentally and emotionally distancing yourself from? That you would simply go, Lord, how should I see them. I believe if we're going to be a unified church in this brave new world, it has to start with a divine revelation. I spend very little time trying to get people to listen to me. I spend a whole lot of time trying to get people to fall to their knees. 
and say, you know what, I, I'm not trying to give you my opinion. I'm not trying to give you my perspective. My hope and prayer is that as a shepherd, I would guide you to the one that can give you everything you need to know. And the Holy Spirit can do his job, and he can convict you of sin, and he can convict your perspective. And, and whether you listen to me, that's up to you. I really need you to hear from God much more than I need you to hear from a man. We have filled our minds with the opinions and perspectives of everybody else but God sometimes. Um, the, the second thing that I want you to see um, if, if we are going to, to have a unified church, and this is a key ingredient, it is personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Uh, the Bible says this in Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint this duty. Um, what, what I love about this is uh, you, you have to understand when they say serve tables, they're not talking about working at Buffalo Wild Wings, okay? Um, the, like the tables were simply, when they said serve tables, these were, I uh, think, money exchange agencies. Like this was where money was distributed to, to the poor and, and the church kind of had an organized system of how they would distribute goods to those in need. And they're going, hey, we're, we're, we're playing our part in preaching the word of God. Is there somebody else that we could get to play their part? Um, Hellenists, um, it sound, they sound worse than they are just because their name got hell in it, but they're really not bad people, okay? Um, uh, Hebrews uh, looked at Hellenists as... Uh, as mixed breeds, they, they, were, they had a lot of Greek culture within their religion, but they're Christians. These are Christ followers, but they're, they're a little bit more loose. They're a little bit more liberal, if you will. And then uh, the Hebrews were more devout, holier-than-thou, traditionalists, and that's how the Hellenists kind of saw them. And so there started to be a little bit of this church division. There started to be a little bit of this, well, there's y'all over there and us over here, and, 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 there, and, and I believe Satan was almost trying to take advantage of what was already a little bit of beef going on between them, and they bring up their widows. They're going, hey, uh, y'all ain't been taking care of, of our people that have lost their house, so we, we, we got to do something about this. And they pick somebody and said, all right, well, why don't we make it their duty? And I think oftentimes, whenever we want to solve a problem, we can always find somebody else that we think can solve somebody else's problem. We're always like, yeah, y'all should go to the church, and the church will help y'all. It's like, you are the church. Why don't you help them? <laughs> and the reality is, is there are thousands and millions of people all across this world that will never step foot into a gathering of the community of faith. But the beautiful part about it is that God has sent us to be a light in dark places. And so there are places that you are going that it, 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 it's not like some of you might believe that the church experience is on me today. It's not. It's on you. 
because there is somebody in need that I will not get to meet. But they might be sitting next to you and you could do something about it. Um, There is um, a a young adult um, in our ministry in Dallas and uh, she came over to uh, me and my wife's home the other night and she started telling me about uh, what she calls um, the Solidarity Project. And uh, what she does is she actually makes uh, what are called, um, I, I wanna get this right because she is Peruvian and it's called alfajores, alfajores. And um, that simply means Peruvian cookies. She has this like special recipe and she, she makes these cookies and she has a nonprofit organization and, and so I asked her, I said, so tell me about like what's the nonprofit organization and how does it work? She's like, so I make these cookies and they get a, a picture of, of five girls and she was connected to this orphanage in Peru and, and she took five girls and said, I wanna put you through college. And so they're like, how are you gonna do that? She's like, I'm gonna start um, a nonprofit organization that simply makes alfajores. Okay, so, so she will spend all week, she has a full-time job, she's educated, and, and in her spare time, which she barely has any, in her, her oven, she, she will make 10, 10 cookies and put them in this box and give them to this bakery in Dallas. She makes about $50 a week do, doing that, and then she, once a quarter, she does a big bake sale, and she sells these for $10 a box. And, and so I'm just kind of sitting here just learning, and I, and I said, you, oh, this, this, this is really cool. And, and um, inside the box, it tells the story. It, and it says, our version of a win-win is a sweet, sweet, hello. And, um, and she says, your purchase of delicious alfajores empowers at-risk young women in Peru by providing them with access to higher education and emotional support. Now, and then it says, learn more about our project and find out more how you can help at senoritaperu.com. And I'm just sitting in, in my kitchen just going, to help five people, you decided to start a whole company? She's like, yeah. And, and I, I said, well, how? And I got a business degree, so I started asking a lot of business. I said, hey, I have 30 questions for you. Are you ready? How much does the box cost? How much do the ingredients cost? How much per cookie? How much per box? Okay, what's your profit margin? And I started asking her all these questions, and she, she's just looking like, and I'm going, well, how much do you need, like, to, to you know, educate the girls? Like, like what, do you, what does your nonprofit organization need for the year? She said, $7,500. And I said, um... That's a lot of money to a person, but that ain't a lot of money to a business. I go, your product is so great, we need to be figuring out how we can help 500 girls or 5,000 girls. Like, let's expand this thing. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna change the world. I'm like, this is, and, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit just convicted me and said, leave her alone. I need more people with her heart. And number three is this, it's challenging conversations. Challenging conversations. Acts 2, 
Verse 46, the Bible says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now, we've heard that and that, that we, we've gone through that verse. We talked about that last week and how eating is a, is a very important part. But I don't want to talk about what they did. I want to show you who's at the table. It's important to know who's at the table. What they did is great. But when you see who is at the table, it's not as easy as it sounds. Bible says in Acts 2 verse 6, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. That's who's at dinner together. A bunch of people that really don't know each other that well. A bunch of people that didn't vote for the same people. A bunch of people with different skin tones. I bet they dressed a little bit different. I bet they spent money differently. I, I, I bet they all saw the world a little bit different, but yet they invited one another to the table. And I promise you, it may have looked really great on Instagram, but that was an uncomfortable setting. When you're sitting with somebody that you might even, your ancestors may have even fought in, in wars with each other or against each other. You, there, there's a lot of bad blood there and a lot of healing that's taken place because they were willing to sit with people that didn't vote like them, act like them, think like them, breathe like them, they, that they just said, all right, I'm willing to sit at the table. I'm willing to abandon what I know to pick up the kingdom. To say, hey, I'm, I am I'm willing to sit with somebody that perhaps makes me feel uncomfortable. And a part of that is some conversations that often don't make us feel very comfortable because I believe what sometimes um, we see as divisive language going on in our nation, I see it as a great opportunity for the church to say, all right, let's be the people of God together. It has forced us to have conversations we didn't have to have 10 years ago, but now we have to have it, and I think it's a good thing. I think it grows us all up because it's challenging us and it's growing us to say, all right, what do I really believe? Lord, search my heart. And, and here's what I, I, I found. is I found that you can have a heart for diversity without having an understanding of diversity. Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. For more messages, visit EmmanuelCC.org.